All right. Welcome to the new stuff, the good stuff. This is The Course Reports, the real deal behind the scenes inside look into the professional golf venues around the world. You love the game, you follow the game, well, you found it. Bringing it to you from a perspective that nobody else can. Inside the ropes, on the greens, the smooth and true facts. This is The Course Reports. I'm Curtis Tyrell, Certified Golf Course Superintendent and Master Greenskeeper. I'm your host. It's time to get on the green. It's time for The Course Reports. Welcome, everybody, to episode two of The Course Reports. We've got a fantastic show this week featuring one of the top golf course superintendents in the game, Bobby Stringer, certified golf course superintendent at Austin Country Club, host of this week's WGC Dell Technologies Match Play Championship. Bobby, welcome to The Course Reports. Yeah, thanks, Curtis. Glad to be here. Well, we certainly appreciate you taking your time. It's very valuable right now as you're in advance week, just a few short days away from your tournament. How's everything going? It's going well. We're doing, uh, you know, advance week is always hectic with uh, with everything going on, but just making some fine-tuned adjustments and uh, getting ready for the boys on Monday. Awesome. Well, we're going to get into that in a little bit more detail. Before we do, just for our listeners, my name is Curtis Tyrell. I'm a certified golf course superintendent, master greenskeeper, and for the last 25 years, I've been spending my days and nights, uh, in some respects, on golf courses, maintaining them, building them, renovating them. And now I'm shifting gears a little bit, and I'm going to be bringing a lot of that background information to you, the golfer, hopefully trying to educate you on some of the more detailed things about what it is superintendents do and some of the hard work and science and artwork that comes out of a golf course superintendent preparing for a major venue. We're going to feature professional venues, amateur and college events, classic courses, renovation, construction projects, and really anything we can talk about with regard to golf course conditioning, agronomy, and architecture from the highest level to the local level. And we want to be your source of this kind of information. And this is information that's not necessarily readily available to you right now, nor is it currently readily represented in the media. And that's our goal is to provide you this insight so that your playing experience, viewing experience is improved and ultimately we can grow the game of golf. So back to Bobby, tell our listeners about yourself, where you're from, how you got into the business and how you ended up at Austin Country Club. It's kind of a long story, but uh, I got a business management degree from Mississippi State and uh, thought I was going to rule the world in the business world and got out and uh, I was on a plane for about a year, it seemed, and uh, decided that wasn't for me. So I... Uh, been transferred out to Houston and called Texas A&M, got into school there, spent two more years there, got a bachelor's of science degree from Texas A&M, and uh, went to work at a course in Houston after that, Lockenbar Golf Club, and was there for three years, and then went to work, got my first superintendent's job in Germantown, Tennessee at Germantown Country Club, was there for 12 years, and Took this job here in, um, in Austin in 2008, so I've been here now for about uh, a little over 10 years. You know, it's amazing how many of us started with one profession in mind, got a degree, and then got into it and decided to circle back around and get into golf course work. The same thing happened to me. It's definitely a career that 
people get into a little bit later in their life, you know, and what I mean is, you know, mid twenties is when people really kind of discover it as something that can happen. Have you encountered other guys like yourself out there? You know, it's funny. Probably a third of the superintendents I meet have a similar story as mine. So it's kind of interesting. And, you know, if you'd have asked me in college, my first go around, you know, I would have, I worked on golf courses in high school and and through my first college degree. And, uh, I told you no way. And, you know, something just draws you back to it. I'm an outdoorsy guy, so it kind of made sense to me. And it's really what I wanted to do. It's kind of weird. He's kind of hit me and that's how I ended up here. It has been a fantastic ride. You've been in it for quite a long time. You went from Tennessee to Austin. So how was that switch? A little bit different climate and maybe some different grasses or how different was it moving to Austin from Tennessee or how was it the same? Uh, You know, the job was generally the same, but the move was, you know, at that point in my career, I had, you know, wife, three kids. So taking the move from Tennessee to Austin, moving the whole family was good. The only thing I would miss is I missed four seasons. I had four seasons over in Tennessee, and I think we have two and a half here. Right. You know, that's interesting. I wanted to ask you about your golf season. So what do you consider your primary golf season? Is it 12 months a year? We run about 35 to 38,000 rounds here. It's pretty much nonstop. Had the tour event now. This will be our fourth year. Play has not slowed down. So you always have that juggling act. But yeah, it's and in Tennessee, it was 12 months a year. But that December, January, February were really slow. Right. So and for our listeners, 35 thousand to forty thousand rounds of golf on 18 holes is a lot right so that's a lot of a lot of foot traffic you guys have golf carts we do but we have a large number of our members that walk i would say about 45 to 50 percent of our rounds are walking Um, we do allow push carts here that does cause some traffic issues but most of our traffic damage is obviously from golf carts kudos to you for putting on such an amazing product for your members through that kind of play i'm sure they Love you. You've been there a long time and they're real proud to have you. So let's talk about the event here. So the Dell Technologies Match Play Championship, this is a fourth year. Last year, Bubba Watson won. It was a $10 million purse. And this year, you've got a full field, including Mr. Tiger Woods. We do. (laughs) We do. And that'll be interesting. I mean, everybody, you know, I think when you get into this business, you, you know, your ultimate goal is to host a tournament for the best players. And, you know, having Tiger here is going to be, uh, well, it'll be special. And, uh, you know, we just, we like to see who's going to win. And uh, that's the beauty of match play too, though. Uh, It's one of the things I like about it is just about anybody can win. How does the match play structure of the tournament affect your process in preparing the golf course as opposed to stroke play? Is there anything in particular that you can share that's you know distinctively different about prepping for a match play championship versus a stroke play championship? I think the main thing on preparing is it, the, the preparation is probably not much different than any other tournament. But one of the things that we have is we have multiple playoff opportunities during the week. And instead of it being a four-day event, this is a five-day event. Starts on Wednesday, ends on Sunday, and all the playoffs are done on Friday. And then you obviously can have a playoff on Sunday also. And I think, you know, not being able to schedule your staff, we have to wait till that last ball drops before we go out. And uh, sometimes that's uh, fairly late. So it's a little interesting in that respect. Yeah, considering the time of year, although the days are getting a little bit longer, your evening work 
access is pinched a little bit by that, isn't it? It is. It, it puts us into the, you know, if I think ball dropped last year. The last latest time on Friday was 7.15. And so, you know, we were here till 10.30, 11 with just the general staff trying to wrap things up for that night and get ready for the next day. You know, last week we were talking with Reese Jones and Sean Emerson, and we were just talking in general about tournament preparations. And one of the things that came up was that really what's different about preparing for a major event like the match play championship and just everyday play is repetition. So, you know, we're mowing a little bit more frequently every single day. So everything's ramped up. If you mow twice on a normal Saturday, you might mow three times for, for a championship right. four times. So you're going to do that, right, for a tournament like this. But a lot of it has to do with how fast things are growing, your use of plant growth regulators and stuff like that. So considering the weather you've been dealing with and the time of year, are things really aggressively growing or how's the turf looking? Turf is looking fine. Uh, as far as aggressively growing, uh, we've got almost zero. Just been a very wet, kind of cool winter. Not cold, because we don't really get that cold here, but been cool and damp most of the year with very little growth. So, you know, we actually gave our greens a rest for two straight days without putting a mower on them. So, you know, I do have some plant growth regulator in them just to kind of keep them from getting out of hand. But, you know, and, and we're a short course and we're very undulated on the green. So our speeds are probably not what some of your other major tournaments would be. We're in that 11 and a half to 12 range and we really like to keep it there. Yeah, well, you know, smooth quality 11 and a half is plenty fast. Most people really don't realize, you know, people think they're putting on 12s and 13s all the time, but I think we we, we, we know it's, it's a little different. But yeah, that's interesting because, you know, the repetition that goes into getting smooth and championship services could actually be a detriment in your situation where things aren't really growing at a big clip right now. You could actually wear things out as you head into your prime golf season for the members. So you've got to be thinking about the future as you move forward, no? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, making sure that we have a product to present for the members after this is pretty much first and foremost on our minds also. And hit the nail on the head with the repetition. You try to not do those things. And we have to struggle with it all winter because we don't get a lot of growth. So we we really alter our schedules even more so than we normally would and just try to keep the underlying Bermuda grass as healthy as we can on top of the right, you know, with the rye grass over the top. You run into those issues, you know, it's constantly on our minds. Absolutely. That's uh, something a lot of golf fans and viewers and listeners really probably don't realize, you know, what goes into preparing for a tournament, but really what comes after. So, you know, there's a lot there. So you said the golf course is short. Is I got it at 66.25. Is that about the, the length from the tips, par 72? No. No, it's a place par 71, and it's 71. Okay. And in today's you know, market, it's, it, that's pretty short, but it's kind of tight up on the upper holes, uh, which would be the front nine and a little bit more open on the back nine. It's just one of the, it's a peak guy golf course. So there's, you never have a flat lie. And, uh, it's one of those golf courses. I think it's perfect for match play. Yeah. It's certainly been exciting over the, over the last few years as I've had a chance to watch. And, and you mentioned Pete Dye. So it was originally constructed I'm, in 1984. And then you did some work with Rod Whitman in 2015. Uh, what kind of work did you do? Uh, the majority of the work was uh, greens renovation, tea renovation, and we, we grassed some of the fairways, actually softened some of the slopes on the greens. We get a full core out 
and uh, just built them from ground up. You know, we needed to soften some of these. You, you really couldn't get our greens up much above 11 and a quarter without them getting a little silly. We needed to do that. Now, all of that was pre-knowing that the tournament was coming here. So had I known that, we may have softened them even more. So when you say that you cored them out, you know, as opposed to just resurfacing or tilling the substructure, the soil, the sand that you have there, you actually cored them out and built a brand new green with new drainage, new mix, and new grass. What kind of grass did you plant? On greens, we did Tiff Eagle, Fairways 419, and on um, teas, we did a combination of Dion Zoysia in our shaded areas and Tiff Eagle. Tiff Way, okay. And so you're overseeded for the wintertime? We are. We're uh, overseeded on, uh, with ryegrass, perennial rye, and uh, chewing fescue in the fairways, polytrivialis, and bent grass on the greens. Okay. How long will that overseed last for you? To what point in the year will it stick around? Well, I'm assuming is how the Monday after the tournament I spray it out. We don't, uh, we don't let it last too long. You know, it, it, like I said, we, we get only about two and a half seasons here. We start ramping up with heat very quickly after the tournament. We'll be in the 90s before mid, you know, early May, late, late April, and uh, so we want to get that ryegrass on its way out. And there's a, you know, there's a few uh, options we have out there to, to weaken it and take it out slowly and let the Bermuda come on in. Yeah, that's great stuff. Very interesting for our listeners to hear about what goes into that. You know, one other question I wanted to ask you about your golf season was that. With having a tournament at this time of year and then the rest of the season really ahead of you, you know, a prime golf season where you're, mm-hmm. you're trying to present for your members, what's that after tournament letdown, they call it, like? And how do you focus your crew? Because I'd like to hear a little bit about your crew and your team and what it takes to manage a group to present something like this, but even more importantly, to present for your members going forward for the rest of the year. Well, it, there is a there is a little letdown factor because you, uh, I think you know well enough. You you run so hard in the the months leading up to the tournament, and you know, in our situation, we really don't have a lot of time to uh, decompress. You have to turn right around and just start, you know, with the teardown of the hospitality tents, and then making sure that our turf is being protected and, and coming through as best we can there's really no time to really kind of take your foot off the gas. So kind of have to find those times and pick your times, you know, be with your family and, uh, and just be smart about it. And my members understand it. They understand the transition period. There's definitely an ugly period to it, but we just kind of keep our foot on the gas a little bit and just keep going and get into summer. Right. And then what time of year do you plant all the overseed for the, for the winter season? So I, I do my overseed in October, and uh, we generally do the last two weeks in October. We're warm enough here that we can get that established fairly quickly. This year was a little bit of an anomaly. We had uh, 29 inches of rain September, October, so that caused some uh, confusion on our end. But yeah, we do the over- overseed in October, and we try to try to eradicate it out in April. Oh man, a lot of work, a lot of work. So earlier in the broadcast, we talked about advance week. So for our listeners, that's the week prior to the event when you're really just putting the final touches on everything and you're working with the PGA Tour and their agronomists. Just tell us a little bit about like what you're up to advance week and what it's like to interact with the PGA Tour, how that whole relationship goes. Well, I mean, you, you couldn't hold one of these without having a good relationship with your uh, tour agronomist. And I, and I have a really good one this year, Thomas Bass. Is, 
these new guys, and uh, so we're all we're all kind of feeling each other out. But uh, you know, Advance Week is is like you said, it, it's about kind of the nuts and bolts, the details. You know, giving your services where you want them, taking care of any mistakes or trying to that have been made or not made. So it's uh, Advance Week is uh, you know it's it's probably the busiest week. We we work more hours during Tournament Week, but we work harder during Advance Week. It's just. Uh, it's nonstop. Everybody's going in 18 different directions. And, uh, you know, you're starting to gather your data, your green speeds, your uh, moisture content, your foamness, and you're trying to grab all of that stuff that week to give you that baseline for tournament week. Absolutely. And then you got a guy like me bugging you to get on a podcast and talk about it, right? Like, like you got time for that. <laughs> We're all in this together. So. Well, it's certainly going to be a great event. We're all excited to watch it. We've got a a number of other events this week. It's actually kind of a busy week. And while the PGA Tours focuses at your place at Austin Country Club, there is another PGA Tour event at the Corrales Punicana Resort and Club Championship being played at the Punicana Resort. Bryce Garnett won it last year. It's a $3 million purse. Julio Diaz is the golf course superintendent, and the place was built in 2010 by Tom Fazio. Stretches to 7,600 yards, par 72, and they're playing on wall-to-wall pass Ballum out there. And let me tell you, they've got seven holes right on the ocean. It's a spectacular sight. I don't know. Have you ever seen any of the photos, or do you know much about this place, Bobby? You know, I, I don't know a whole lot about it. I've seen a few photos of it, and, you know, I'm, I've kind of been a, a distant observer of the pass Ballum grasses, and uh, when they're on, they look fantastic. Yeah, they've got a real rich color. The ball sits up real nice. And one of the reasons that Paspala moved into our industry was its salt tolerance. So if you're uh, right up against the ocean or you're dealing with reclaimed water and such, it's it's a good choice. I tell you, can't find anybody that says anything negative about this place. Obviously, people go to the Dominican Republic and everybody talks about Teeth of the Dog, which is a Pete Dye golf course like yours. But this one being a new golf course is really catching a a lot of press and hopefully they're going to have a great week this week, which I'm sure they will. And that venue will continue to grow and Julio Diaz will continue to just groom that. On the Champions Tour this week, the Rapiscan Systems Classic is at Fallen Oak Golf Club in Biloxi, Mississippi. Steve Stricker won last year. It's a $1.6 million purse. And Matthew Hughes is the director of grounds. And Tom Fazio is the architect from 2006. Bobby, this golf course just won two new rankings from Golf Week. They are the number two best casino course right behind Shadow Creek. So that is definitely, yeah, that's pretty impressive. And they're number 20 on the top 200 resort courses that you can play. And I've never been there. I spoke with Matthew. He's got quite the, the venue there. And he has been struggling with some cold weather on his non-overseeded Bermuda. So he's been hoping for some heat and some sun just like you. He's got Tiff Eagle greens and 419 tees fairways and roughs. And he's mowing under an eighth of an inch. He says that they'll have a few thousand spectators out there each year or each day. You know, this has uh, been posted there for many, many years and, and certainly going to be an exciting place. Do you know the place being from Mississippi? Have you ever been there? You know, I, I haven't. I, I've, I've been out of Mississippi longer than I uh, lived there, I, even though I grew up there. It's kind of funny. But I, I've played some golf down there in, in the Biloxi area, and it, it can get a little challenging down there. So, I, and, I, and I feel his pain. My rough is going to be about as 
not fully dormant, but uh, it, it's certainly about only about 30% green up. So uh, we'll have that uh, similar look here. You know what's amazing, and, and most people, anybody that knows us golf course superintendents knows this, but we live and die by the weather, right? I mean, we've got multiple weather apps on our phone, and whether it's a PGA Tour event or just a regular day with the members or a member guest, so much has to do with timing the right windows of opportunity with the weather. But what drives me crazy all the time when they say, well, the weather's been great, so you know, it should be good. And I think uh, what's wrong about that is people don't realize all the work that goes in to capitalize on the weather. It's just not like that because uh, the sun's out has a lot to do with what goes into it. And we're certainly hoping for the best weather for you and Matthew next week. India, the Euro Hero Indian Open at DLF Golf and Country Club in New Delhi, India is this week on the European tour. Matt Wallace won last year, $1.75 million. Sean Satterley's an Australian superintendent living there in, in New Delhi and growing the grass out there. They've got mini verde greens, celebration tees, fairways, and roughs. It's a Gary Player golf course, a par 72, 7,650 yards. And, you know, I reached out to Sean. We were unable to get him on the program today. But, you know, you ever think about going to India or Malaysia or some of these uh, exotic places to grow grass, Bobby? You know, I, I would have to say that I do not. So, <laughs> I, uh, you know, it's funny that I'm part of an um, intern program that we bring, uh, you know, students in, uh, from all over the world here, and I'm, I'm lucky enough to be a part of that. And I do get some exposure with young kids in our industry with the, uh, you know, through the internship, you know, from England, Scotland, Ireland, Australia. I had two Australians last year. And I think that part of our game and that part of our industry is growing, you know, and I'm, I'm glad to see the tournament out there in New Delhi. You know, our, our part of the business is certainly becoming global, uh, like you said. And, you know, one of the things that's really worth pointing out, a lot of the, a lot of the superintendents in remote places or places where the game isn't as advanced, they don't have the resources that we do. So they're producing quality product with significantly less funding, poor water quality, poor construction techniques, you name it, it's a lot harder for these guys. And, you know, so when you're watching the Hero Indian Open this week, take that into consideration. This golf course opened in 2015, and they've got some of the the most vertical sod wall bunkers you've ever seen, which clearly has, it's got to be, you know, artificial or composite of some site, because it's pretty hot there. It's, you know, it's definitely, you know, Bermuda weather that would just rot if it was, uh, if it was real, but nonetheless, it's got a cool look and should be an interesting tournament. The LPGA Kia Classic is at Aviara Golf Club in Carlsbad, California. $1.8 million purse. Uni G is the defending champion. The superintendent is Kevin Kianis and Arnold Palmer's the architect from 1997 it's a par 72, 6,600-yard golf course. And what most people don't realize is that in that part of California, they can grow pretty much any type of grass. They've got POA on their greens. They've got 419 overseeded fairways, and they've got POA and perennial rye grass rough. So talk about a hodgepodge. Not easy to grow grass in a place like that. No, definitely not. It's uh, Sometimes we take it for granted that down here, you know, we can pretty much do Bermuda, Zoysia, and whatnot, but uh, – 
it's uh, I don't envy those places with uh, or you guys who've had poet greens. Uh, you know, the, the nice thing is, I guess in Carlsbad is that it, it's not going to be so super hot that you run the risk of losing them. But the problem is it, it doesn't grow that well there. Neither does Bermuda or rye. Everything kind of grows to like 70%, right? So Yeah, it's too cold at night. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Kevin's definitely got his hand full. You know, he's got a big event this week and, um, you know, going to be a great event to watch if, uh, if you have time. The web.com is playing the Savannah Golf Championship at Deer Creek at the Landings. Tyson Helsills, the superintendent. Sam Burns won last year. It's 550000 So his web.com purses are growing. Another Tom Fazio. Tom Fazio is dominating the circuit this week for sure. They're, they're growing Ultra Dwarf Bermuda for sure in Savannah. They've got celebration tees, fairways, and, and roughs. You know, my parents are from that area. I've been there a few times this winter, and it's been raining like crazy. So I know he's certainly had his hands full. Deer Creek is one of six golf courses at the landings and certainly going to be a event to watch. One of the things that's been interesting me – Bobby is the Latin tour. And the reason is I've, I've known a couple of kids that have gone down there to try to make their way onto the web.com. But, you know, I've always been curious as to why golf hasn't grown as faster in Latin America, but it seems to be on the rise. This week, they're playing the Buenaventura Classic at Buenaventura Golf Club in Panama. Remigio Gonzalez is the superintendent, and they're also a platinum Paspalum golf course. And consequently, this golf course is ranked number four in Panama. It's about 90 minutes from Panama City. It's a, got a JW Marriott Hotel. It's a Nicholas golf course and should uh, be a nice test for those young kids and hopeful uh, PGA Tour players uh, down there in Latin America. But have you ever been down there, Bobby? You ever been to Panama or any of those venues? No, not as far as I've been as Mexico, so... But, uh, you know, the funny thing is I, I don't know much about the professional golf world down there, but I do know that our industry as a whole is growing down there. I've got, I've got an intern coming from Columbia this year. He's going to be with us for about six months. And I've actually got a volunteer this year from Peru, from South America. So, you know, I, I think it has nothing but a positive to have those guys come and spend a week. Uh, the Peruvian guy's going to spend a week with us and, uh, I'm sure it's a good getaway for him, and he'll get to see the tournament and participate in everything. And then we'll have uh, Sebastian from Columbia um, here. And, and it's exciting to see our industry, see these guys gravitating up here, and, and they want to take what they learn here and take it back to their, their home countries and see if they can uh, impart anything, any knowledge or anything out of, out of that. Yeah, that that is great. I've, so do you have a big internship program? How many got, students do you host every year? I, I generally try to host two every six months. So that's about the, the size of it. I don't get too carried away with it. Uh, two seems to be the, the good number for us. And then we bring on about 30 to 35 volunteers for the tournament. Uh, to add to our, uh, I think I have about 38 total here. Lots of moving parts, big operation. Definitely. Well, we've certainly accomplished our goal on this episode of The Course Reports. Your inside source for tournament venue conditioning and architecture. You can find us weekly on thecoursereports.com, soon to be available on iTunes, Google, and all of your traditional podcast outlets. We're on Twitter at Course Reports, Instagram at The Course Reports, and coming soon, look for our video component on our YouTube channel. So you can download us each week. You can subscribe. Don't miss it. 
Episode three next week will feature the Valero Texas Open and the first major of the year on the LPGA Tour, the ANA Inspiration at Mission Hills and Rancho Mirage. Well, thanks for tuning in. And Bobby, thank you very much for your time. We know how busy you are. Really excited for you and your team this week. Uh, We'll be watching and uh, we hope everything goes great for you. Thanks, Curtis. Enjoyed it.